Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this September 28, 2016 edition. I broadcast weekdays on WINB and soon to go over to WWCR in October I want to welcome all the new listeners. I'm getting emails from a lot of new listeners that have recently run across the program. They're loving the new Android app. Of course, we have the app for smart devices, the customized Weekend Vigilante app, a very convenient, easy way for you to listen to the show daily at 6 p.m. Eastern time. And, of course, the podcast for those of you on the go take the program. A lot of people say they like to listen to the hour show while they're commuting to work. So yeah, that's a great way for you to keep up on all the shows. Well, the testimonies are rolling in on the new book, Power Prayers, Warfare That Works. I am very excited about what God is doing with this book. The testimonies are so powerful. Go to powerprayers.ca, check out the website, check out the endorsements. The book has a five-star rating on Amazon. I'll tell you what, coming out of the gate, we had a lot of opposition against this book, undoubtedly. So many of you had to wait so long to get the book. The pre-orders didn't go out on time. Amazon was telling people the book was unavailable. It was one thing after the other, but guess what? We got through it, and now the book is in people's hands, and it was worth the wait, I'm told. It is a powerful book. It's not just going to revolutionize your prayers. But guess what? It's going to change your life. And I'll stake my reputation on that. And if you're listening and you don't have that book, every believer needs this book. Trust me, these aren't our prayers. These are prayers that God gave us. And I'm so very proud to collaborate with the one and only minister, Carla Buton, on this book. These are prayers that God gave us when hell came to our front doorstep. We wrote the book because we were getting inundated with prayer requests from across the globe. This book is essential. Why? Because guess what? A key element of prayer is being left out altogether. So again, get this book in your hand, powerprayers.ca. Get your copy today. It is available on Kindle, and the ebook is available. You can instantly download that. Again, go to powerprayers.ca. Well, I want to jump right into the show because I always have such a fun time with this guest. He is the national best-selling author of Conservative Comebacks to Liberal Lies and 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die. What a great book. I have it. Most of you guys have it. He's a former radio host on WRKO in Boston, KDAR in Los Angeles, an accomplished speaker, speaks to groups nationwide. I got the privilege of actually sharing a booth with him at the 
Hear the Watchman Conference this last March in Dallas, Texas. He's a writer whose articles have been published in the Wall Street Journal, Washington Times. He's been on C-SPAN, Fox News, hundreds of radio stations nationwide. I could go on and on. He's joining me today to break down, and we're going to break it down like you won't hear on any other channel. It is Greg Jackson. Greg Jackson, welcome to the program. It is a pleasure to have you back on. Well, what a nice introduction, Sheila. Yeah, it's good seeing you. Last time we saw each other was in Dallas, and uh, I loved hearing you on that on that panel, on the media panel. I thought you were excellent. We did get a chance to to hang out a little bit, and it was it, it was great uh, meeting you in person. It's great being back on your show. Thanks, Greg. Well, let's jump right into things. You saw one day ago the presidential debate. I certainly have a lot of thoughts on that, which we're going to lay out. What was your initial reaction after seeing this display what really stuck out to you greg well two two main thoughts number one uh, it reminded me of political mma are you familiar with mma yes (laughs) (laughs) it was a cage match it was it was just another form of diversionary entertainment bread and circus uh i i mean I, i just couldn't imagine washington and adams uh, having a debate even remotely close to the sophomoric inanity that was displayed for 100 million people. It just, to me, it, it just showed us how morally and spiritually bankrupt and how low the national conversation has become. No serious issues, at least to me, were of, of import were discussed. I, I don't believe that the God of the Bible was, was discussed once. Um, I, I don't believe that they talked about any of the, the pressing issues, you know, the, the breakdown of the, the nuclear family, the sanctity of human life, the attack on our Republican form of, of government and judicial supremacy, uh, the fact that the other two branches, the legislative and executive branch, have virtually abnegated their constitutional authority and duties to check the judiciary, and they, they treat unconstitutional court opinions as if they were de facto law. I mean, these are all serious issues that weren't even given just even, even a shred of, at- of attention. And instead, what was talked about, like you said, Sheila, totally scripted by the mainstream media, all, I think, designed to give Hillary Clinton uh, her, her attack points, whether it was racism, you know, all, all of the divide and, and conquer type of divisive issues, racism, climate change, Trump's tax returns, the birther issue. And unfortunately, although it was a debate, Sheila, I think the debate really is over in the, in the United States of America. Our nation, I believe, is under God's judgment increasingly. So this debate, it, it, I believe from, from God's perspective, I mean, the debate is over. The discussion is over. We continue to kill babies in record numbers. We continue to mainstream homosexuality, and all sorts of other abominable sins in this country, which God considers to be an abomination. And, you know, if 9-11 was supposed to be a wake-up call, things have only gotten exponentially worse in this country. I mean, we have a code blue moral and spiritual crisis. You know, Donald Trump talked about the greatest threat being, the, you know, nuclear arms. No, the, the, the greatest threat to our country is the fact that we've turned our back on the one true God. And Unfortunately, while it might have been good entertainment to a certain extent, it just was a reminder to me, Sheila, 
of how far we've fallen. And it saddened me that there was really no discussion of any major issues. And, and it really saddened me that on stage in a, in a country of 300 and what, 50 million people, that we have a sociopathic, demonic head of a witch coven who is the head of, you know, one, one of the heads of the great, one of the, the largest criminal cartels. Yeah. And I'm talking about the Clinton Foundation. It's a money laundering operation where they take money from our enemies and utilize it for all sorts of criminal activity, facing up against, and it's as laudable as some of the things that Donald Trump stands for. And there, and there are some laudable things that even that I, I admire about him. fact, the matter is, uh, even the guy showed that while he might be very knowledgeable about real estate transactions and trade deals, he's totally ignorant of the main problems that plagued this nation. And that was evident by his disastrous performance. And the last thing I'll say, Sheila, and because he missed a lot of opportunities that you and I could have coached him on in 15 minutes and he would have destroyed her. But in spite of his poor performance, I think you and I will, will agree. I mean, he missed numerous opportunities to destroy Hillary Clinton. And if you were just going to score it from a, an objective debate perspective, it's obvious that Hillary Clinton came out on top, or at least it should be to anybody who's not a total homer. And so the, the thing that is most telling for me is that if you look at all the polls, whether it's Time Magazine or even the most leftist media organizations that where, where online polling was done, Donald Trump destroyed Hillary Clinton in all the polls, except I think for the CNN poll, which was not an online poll. So they could control it more. And we all know that it's the, you know, the communist or the, the Clinton News Network anyway. But the fact of the matter is, what it showed me was that in spite of the fact that Hillary Clinton probably won the debate, what it showed was that people have already made up their minds. People despise Hillary Clinton, which is why you never see the size of her crowds at her gatherings and, and, and her speeches because they're minuscule. She can't even fill up a high school gymnasium. But it, it just showed you how much people despise her and her wry uh, smile that she had and her domineering personality. And so I think what it, it what probably it showed the her controllers and the, the globalists, the George Soros's of the world was that they better do something real quickly because in a free and fair election, people have already made up their minds. And I think that in a free and fair election, I believe Trump would still win. What do you think? Yes, in a perfect world of fair election, key point, you know, with all the voter fraud. But honestly, I thought Hillary Clinton lost that debate, regardless of Trump's seemingly unpreparedness. You know, she was in pure robotic Android fashion. You know, of course, she would have received the questions via email. We know that much. Watching her lie through her teeth. Donald Trump has never had a one-on-one -on -one debate. She's had, like, what, 15 debates. Her smirky, cackly, just smug, arrogant look. And her response is, again, so scripted. She would have looked a lot worse at this debate had any of her big scandals been brought up by Lester Holt. But, of course, the bobble-headed minions in the media, they spend too much time in sanctimony telling the American people, you're bored with the email topic. So aside from a brief mention, that didn't come up. What did come up was the birther issue. What a useless waste of airtime. Shame on, I have a new name for him, Lester the Lousy Lemming, 
What an absolute clown for him to bring that up. As you alluded to, what wasn't brought up is all the important issues, the evisceration of our right, Obamacare, the complete vilification of our veterans, immigration, radical Islam. Forget the email scandals, the Clinton Foundation, the trail of dead bodies, the fact our husband's a sexual predator and pervert. You know, the media has decided for us that those things don't matter. I mean, the bottom line, the whole thing was actually pretty nauseating. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, we, we can expect that Lester Holt or anybody from MSNBC or NBC or any of those mainstream news outlets are going to be very biased in their questioning. We, we can expect that, and even in their you know, post-debate analysis. But shame on Donald Trump for either not preparing or being ill-equipped to be commander-in-chief and, and have a, a solid grasp and understanding the fact that the United States of America is on life support. Yeah. Like I said, it's a code blue moral and spiritual crisis. Trade deals are the least of our concerns. Are they important? Yes. But our economic problems merely are a manifestation or a consequence of the moral and spiritual breakdown in, in, in our nation. And until we return back to God and recognize that governments are instituted among men to protect and defend inalienable rights. And until we restore the right to life, until we protect the natural human family, until we stop treating unconstitutional court opinions as if they were the law of the land, there's no hope for America. And like you said, Donald Trump went along with the debate. So it's, you know, we can expect the, the leading questions and the majoring in the minors and the, the focus on all of these divisive issues, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, the birth certificate or, you know, Trump's tax returns or whatever kind of side issues that were talked about. We can expect that. But shame on Donald Trump, because he had a, a number of opportunities where he could have destroyed her. Yeah. Uh, let me give you a few examples. Of course, you know that racism was going to get talked about, right? Because obviously, uh, you know, that's a divide and conquer Machiavellian tactic of the left to divide along race and, and class. We, we, we need to talk about global warming, too, because I know that's a personal favorite of yours <laughs> that you could have destroyed her on. But when it came to race, that was a perfect opportunity. Instead of Trump saying, oh, I agree with the secretary. By the way, he shouldn't have called her the secretary. He should have just called her either Hillary or Mrs. Clinton. Maybe there was a reason that he was trying to remind people that she was secretary of state when she allowed four of our military men to be murdered in cold blood in Benghazi. Yeah. But in terms of race, all he had to do was turn to Hillary Clinton and say, you know, you talk a lot about, you know, racial division in this country. Will you start tonight, Hillary, by taking back praising words that you've had over the years for, you know, late Senator Robert Byrd, who is that grand Kliegel of the KKK, who anybody can check on YouTube right now, you praised endlessly. He said you, he was your mentor in the Senate. Will you take back your support for Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, who was a eugenicist, to rid the world of that evil weed she called black people? Will you, will you take back all of your praise and will you give back your Margaret Sanger Award if you want to heal the racial division in our country? Will you release your Ph.D. thesis from Wellesley that you wrote on Saul Alinsky? and rules for radicals that he dedicated to Lucifer. Will you take back your praise for Saul Alinsky 
I mean, if you want to heal the racial divide, will you stop supporting race-based preferences? Yeah. That is a form of racism, which essentially businesses and, and government uses uh, a race as the deciding factor in who gets what job. I mean, what could be more racist than race-based preferential treatment that discriminates based on race? And by the way, I would have said if I were Donald Trump, there is only one race, the human race. And while you want to divide people based on skin color, the fact of the matter is Donald Trump in my presidency, I will be a unifier and recognize that there is only one race, the human race. And I will, in the same spirit of Martin Luther King, who said that people should be judged not on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character, I won't make uh, people's skin color an issue like you have made your career, spent your career doing, Hillary. I will unify people, not divide them and try to cause racial strife and division. And by the way, isn't it funny how we elected the first, quote unquote, black president, Hillary, and yet racial animosity and division and strife have never been higher than they are right now. I don't find that to be coincidental. Mrs. Clinton, I think it's abominable and atrocious that you're standing here tonight claiming that you are going to heal racial divide in this country that you've spent your entire life exacerbating. Right. Next question, Lester. What's the next issue? What's the next red herring issue that you're going to that you're going to bring up tonight? You want to talk about global warming? <laughs> Well, come on now, Greg. Climate change is a bigger threat than ISIS, according to Obama. <laughs> what I found really interesting, and you brought up some amazing points, but I found it very interesting that he kept hammering her on a very good point. And I think a lot of people miss this. You've been around, what, 26, close enough to 30 years, and you haven't done anything. I thought that was a really excellent point. But you're so right. He had plenty of opportunities to really nail her to the wall, especially after he smugly dismissed the email scandal. You didn't make a mistake. You did that very calculatedly. It was intentional. And 330 million Americans know that you are a liar. I mean, if you're going to call her crooked Hillary Clinton, call her that in front of 100 million people when they're watching. Call her out for the crooked criminal that she is. So he had an opportunity there, and he had a real opportunity with that birther issue. It's kind of like he flip-flopped on that whole issue. Shame on Donald Trump. When the birther issue came up, he had an opportunity to say, well, if we're going to talk about the birther issue, which supposedly wasn't an issue, I don't know why you're bringing it up right now, but now that you've brought it up, the fact of the matter is that Barack Obama uh, released an obviously fraudulent document on the White House website that even the best specialists in the field said that not only was it a, a total forgery, but that it was a laughable, it was a bad forgery. And still, to this day, his real, actual birth certificate has not been released. I'm not making an issue, but you brought it up, Lester. So the fact of the matter is, I brought it up because the Constitution still matters. The rule of law still matters. The Constitution says explicitly that only natural-born citizens are eligible to be president of the United States. And yeah, I still have questions because the birth certificate still hasn't been produced. I haven't brought it up. You brought it up, Lester. But the fact of the matter is that I think that still this president has not produced the documentation 
necessary. And I'm going to stand by my original. In- but instead, what did he do, Sheila? He backed down. Yes, he was born in the United States. Well, first of all, how do we know that? Because there, there, it still hasn't been a valid birth certificate. And second of all, it made Trump look bad because I think a lot of people are like, wait a minute now. You're the one who brought it up, uh, you know, accusations. Stand by your original position and stop vacillating. So it made Trump look bad. Here, here's another issue. When he was asked at the end of that debate, will you support Hillary Clinton? You remember that, right? If she's elected president. Absolutely. Now, that was a red herring. That, she, he could have knocked it out of the park, Sheila. Yeah. And all he would have had to say is, absolutely not. And instead of talking to Lester Holt, he should have done a, pulled a Ronald Reagan, looked directly in that camera and said, I want to talk to 100 million American people and let you know in no uncertain terms will I ever support Hillary Clinton to be president of the United States. Why? Because I call her crooked Hillary for a reason. Yeah. She is a criminal. She belongs behind bars. I find it disgraceful that she's even standing here with that wry smirk on her face tonight in front of the American people. She has no regard for the United States Constitution. She spent her career trying to destroy the United States Constitution. She allowed four of our finest military personnel to be murdered in cold blood in Benghazi. Hillary Clinton founded or helped found, establish, and fund ISIS, along with the Obama administration and John McCain and Lindsey Graham and all of their enablers. We've had nothing but war and strife under Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State. She has the blood of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Christians around the world that are being burned inside of cages and decapitated. And I find it an an insult, Lester, that you would ask me if I would support this woman who I call a crook. Why would I support a criminal who's the head of the Clinton Foundation, who is collected blood money over quarter of a billion dollars in blood money from our enemies, from throat-cutting jihadists around the world, and the American people are sick and tired of it. They want their country back. She's a globalist. She's an enabler of jihadists. She hates the Constitution, and she wants to put us into a one-world order and destroy anything that is good about this country. I am a proud nationalist. I want to make America great again. I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm not perfect, and maybe I don't have the right words, and maybe I uh, don't have the right approach, and I talk about certain issues, but I love this country. I want to make America right again. And I'm not maybe the most mature Christian, but I know that God is the secret source of America's strength. And I'm going to do everything I can to obey my oath. If he had have done that, it would have been game, set, match, as they say in tennis, Sheila Zielinski. Remember that scene in The Wizard of Oz where the Wicked Witch of the East turns into a little globule, a little... Remember that in The Wizard of Oz? (laughs) The Wicked Witch would have turned into a globule, the little meltdown. But I'll tell you, Greg, wow, you nailed it. If he had a spoken just like you said, it would have been game over. You had my vote with that speech. Hear, hear. But in, in all seriousness, Sheila, I mean, we can blame Lester Holt and the mainstream media all we want, but yeah. Donald Trump is, at the end of the day, responsible for knowing the issues, for knowing how he's going to respond. You know, some people say, oh, he's, you know, he was, you know, saving it, you know, those types of things for subsequent. I are going to have another debate or two. I'm not sure. And maybe he is saving it. I don't know. But what's to save it for? 
That would have been my opening statement, Sheila. Yeah. I would have. But the bottom line is this. You're not going to destroy evil unless you have the full armor of God on. She is a demonic entity, Hillary Clinton and her minions. Are, they are demonic entities. And we both know, Sheila, that if we try to fight spiritual battles in the flesh, we will always lose. Now, I don't know where Donald Trump's heart is. I don't know if he's saved. You know, some say that, you know, people have shared the gospel with him, that he's received Christ as his savior, that he's been born again. I don't know. The, you know, I can, I can look at people's fruit. Just because he, you know, he might use some foul language doesn't mean that the guy is not saved. Right. Just because he says 1 Corinthians instead of 1 Corinthians doesn't mean that he's not saved. I don't know, Sheila, but I do know this. I know that if there is any hope for America, we as Christians need to be praying in the aggregate, in the spirit. We need to be putting on the full armor of God and praying for our leaders as we're instructed to in Romans chapter 13. By the way, that includes even ones that we disagree with vehemently, because as much yeah. as I just went on a rant about Hillary Clinton, I don't want Hillary Clinton to go to hell. I don't want Barack Obama to go to hell. I want them to come to the saving knowledge of the gospel truth, and I want to see him get saved. Well, it's not God's will. Any should perish. And here's the bottom line, though, Greg. It's not about looking to a man anyway. There's no political solution to a spiritual problem. Donald Trump is not going to save America. Second Chronicles 714 tells us how America is going to be saved. Judgment starts in the house of God. And I kind of think, you know, this whole left right paradigm, that's an illusion. It's just two wings of the same ugly bird. That's a sad reality. Is Donald Trump perhaps a Cyrus? It's very possible. As for Hillary, she's a lying Jezebel demon entity who's got very poor health. Oh, I better not bring up her health, though, because after all, we know that the widely popular Michael Savage was completely taken down on Monday after he was talking about Hillary Clinton's health. Health. Yeah, health. her health. So if Michael Savage is getting targeted and censored, wow, our days are really numbered, especially given the fact that Michael Savage is not, he's not talking about the deeper things of God. So we're really going to be targeted. This is Stasi censorship. Of course, we know the internet is coming under the guise of the United Nations. We don't know how long we have, Greg. We do know our days are numbered, but I'm going to spend every waking breath I have to wake up people and equip the saints for this epic end-time battle that we are in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the Bible tells us clearly, Sheila, that we wage not against the flesh, but the powers and principalities and the heavenlies uh, in, 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 dark, in dark places. And so this is the, the real battle is in the, is in, in the spiritual realm. Amen. And the, the reality of the situation is that, you know, I mean, it's been said, I, I don't know for sure, that Hillary Clinton, for example, is the head of a witch coven in, um, you know, we know that she's tried to... You know, that she's, she's had these seances and she's tried to elicit the, uh, the spirit of Eleanor Roosevelt and all of these stories that we've heard. So we know that there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, at least, you know, circumstantial uh, evidence, uh, anecdotal evidence that many of these people, and we know that they have a satanic spirit, they have a demonic spirit, and that they know what most of the church is unaware of. See, they have their spiritual armor on. Yeah. Now, I'm not talking about the armor of God, but I'm talking about the, uh, the, the whatever the spiritual armor of Lucifer is, 
And that's why they are able to advance their demonic agenda in this country. And unfortunately, most of the church is asleep. And my prayer is that pastors that might be listening, and even congregants of churches, you would encourage your pastors and your friends that are Christians to put on their spiritual armor, because without it, if we go in like Donald Trump, uh, without our spiritual armor, we are going to get destroyed. I mean, the real reason that Hillary Clinton had that smirk on her face, Sheila, I believe, is because she knew that Donald Trump, without the full armor of God, was powerless. And see, Satan knows, Satan knows that when we don't have the protection of God, that we're powerless. That's why Jesus could do very few miracles in his hometown, right? He, he, there was a couple of healings in his hometown, but he, other than that, there was very few miracles. Even his own family members didn't believe that he was the Messiah. So he couldn't do much there because the Bible says it's impossible to please God w- without faith. That's right. And unfortunately, unfortunately, the major problem in this country is a lack of faith in the one true God. And that's demonstrated through dependence on him through prayer, through fellowship, and through regular reading of Scripture and applying Scripture in our own lives. And that's the answer. That's, that's the only antidote to what ails us. I know we've discussed it many times on, on your show and any, any uh, shows that I've, I've ever uh, done over the past couple of years. The main thing that I've tried to convey is that we're wasting our time fighting in the flesh. We're waste, we're, when we major in the minors, uh, it doesn't matter how right we might be on the issues, Sheila, when we are not fighting with the weaponry that God has given us, we will always fail. So really, if you look at Donald Trump, we can say, oh, he was ill-prepared. He didn't have the full armor of God on. But if we're Christians and we're saying that, we have to, if we're going to be really honest with ourselves, Sheila, we have to be honest. If we're going to take an honest assessment and inventory of our own lives, we have to admit that Donald Trump is really, he's a pretty accurate projection or holograph of most of the American church. You know, we might be right on a lot of the issues, but we're nothing but moralizers. Because if we don't have the full armor of God on, and if we are not prayed up in the Spirit, and if we are not repenting of our sins, first and foremost, instead of pointing our finger at the unbelieving world, at the pagan world, if we're not recognizing our own sinful nature, then we're, we're essentially, we're spinning our wheels, we're wasting our time, and we're not going to be successful if there is any hope left for America. And by the way, I don't believe Christianity teaches fatalism. I'm not saying that, you know, there's nothing that that the church can do. The hour is too late. We're beyond the the peril. We've crossed the line. But I do believe that, by and large, as I said at the beginning of our discussion, the discussion is largely over. The debate is largely over. The question is, will the church fall on our knees in sackcloth and ashes at this late hour. I mean, we are so late in the ball game, Sheila, that I believe the only thing that will, if there's any respite, if there's going to be any temporary abeyance of God's judgment on this nation, and I pray that he does give us more time so that more people can hear the gospel and get saved. Uh, because as you said, God doesn't want people to perish. You know, he's merciful, uh, he's patient, but at some point, 
there, there is that cutoff. There is that time. And we look in Israel's history. I'm reading in the book of Ezekiel right now where God says, enough is enough. I'm judging the nation. And Ezekiel, obviously, as a prophet of God, was hated for that message, as are all of God's prophetic messengers and, and, and watchmen. But the fact of the matter is there will come a time, Sheila, when that line will be drawn, when God says, enough is enough. And my prayer would be that the church recognizes the lateness of the hour and that we do real business with the Lord and that we get busy in prayer and in fasting and in doing the real work of the evangelist and to not be ashamed of the gospel and to preach the gospel boldly in these last days instead of cowering in fear, instead of saying, oh, if if I share the gospel with this family member, that family member, I'm not going to be popular. Or, I, you know, I can't say this at work or I might get fired because that is what is destroying this country is that cowardness. Don't you agree? Well, quite frankly, who cares what they think? The bottom line is, will we remind people also, Greg, not just of the mercy of God, but of the severity of God? And, and I mean, you mentioned something really interesting. I don't know who prepped Trump for this. Regrettably, he was very ill-prepared for this. But if you're doing a daily blood sacrifice to Satan and you're versing a baby Christian, I mean, obviously that little smirk is, you know, it's very indicative of somebody who's piped straight into evil. So yes. I, me- I mentioned this to Carl. Well, Carl and I mentioned this on the Hagman Show. We were talking about our new book, Power Prayers, because... Listen, if you're a witch coven, if we were, say you and I, Greg, were put into a witch coven, they would teach us dominion the first day they'd be start showing us our power. The church, however, people go sit in church for 30 years and they're never taught their authority. Listen, folks, we have power and authority over all the power of the enemy, it says. Hence why we, not a shameless plug for the book, but that's why we wrote power prayers you guys need to know that a key element of praying powerfully is totally being left out altogether and that's the part where we wanted to equip the saints to pray powerfully in these very unsettling times greg because the bottom line is as you said we're not fighting flesh and blood we're fighting against principalities rulers of wickedness the bible tells us so you know, sadly, we're not taking dominion. We have dominion over all the earth. And I'll tell you what, witches take dominion. Over at CERN, they're opening portals, they're doing all this stuff. They're taking dominion. So why are we not really getting the, the message here? Where is the disconnect with the, you know, the Snoozeville, cotton candy coated social club church? And people say, well, that's mean, Sheila. But Greg, God is not our bellhop. He's not a skybound, wish-granting genie that just worries about cash and cars on his followers. We need to wake people up to the fact that it's not about your planes, your trains, your automobiles, your big fancy houses, your uppity college where your kid goes. It's about doing what God put you on this earth to do, to win souls for the sake of the gospel. Mark 16, folks. Preach the gospel, raise the dead, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Not they might get better. They shall recover with signs following. That is what we are put on this earth to do. That's the Great Commission, Greg. Absolutely. You mentioned something that's so important, which is our identity in Christ. The Hillary Clintons of the world, those who are demonically, satanically inspired and, and possessed, 
they understand their identity in Satan. Uh, you know, most of these Hollywood stars that, that you know, uh, on Angelina Jolie on YouTube, where she's on, you know, there's an undercover camera, and she's admitting to all these things that they, that they do to get power and authority yeah. here on this earth. And they do make it deals with the devil. But I think it's equally important, Sheila, and this is probably the most important dis- discussion that, that we could have today for ourselves and for your listeners. The most imp- I would advise everybody listening to this show at some point today, go and read Second Peter chapter 1. Because mm. Second Peter chapter 1 describes what your identity, if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, what your identity is and what he has granted us. And w- once you understand your identity in Christ, you will, will have a greater understanding of the authority that you possess. And the major problem in the American church, Sheila, I believe, is that we Christians don't fully understand, or even in, in a lot of cases, even remotely understand, the authority that we possess as born-again Christians. Our identities, and you're right, God has given us, I mean, what, what, what does he say to the disciples? He says that even the gates of hell will not be able to overcome the church, the body of Christ. Well, that's us, folks. Shame on us if we don't utilize, I mean, God is, is, is not going to do it for us. We need to do the work on our own. And, you know, it saddens me when, you know, I run into Christian brothers and sisters, Sheila, who they say like, oh, I, you know, I have this situation or that situation in my life. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to deal with it. And most of the time, uh, you know, the person that I'm talking to is totally unaware of the authority that has been given to them. So it's kind of like a, a, a sheriff, for example. You know, do you know, Sheila, that sheriffs in this country, they're the only elected official that, that is elected directly by the, the citizens of the, of, of the county, the highest presiding officer. Do you know, Sheila, that the sheriff have the authority, the constitutional, moral, and legal authority to go into every abortuary in the United States of America and shut them down? And not only that, but to imprison the baby-killing abortionist in those abortuaries? Did you know that that sheriff... He doesn't need to wait for a call. There are babies being murdered in Planned Parenthood abortuaries every day in the United States of America, 3,000 plus a day. That sheriff has the authority, the constitutional, legal, and moral authority to go in and arrest the abortionists and to close down those killing centers because we know that those aren't heads of lettuce that are being murdered in cold blood, Sheila. They're living human persons at different stages of development. The fact of the matter is that the sheriffs in this country have that authority, but they are choosing, similarly, governors of, of every state in this country are the chief law enforcement officers, the chief executive officers. They are the highest law enforcement officer in the sovereign state in which they govern. And similarly, Sheila, they possess the authority to enforce the God-given right to life for all innocent human persons. And yet every governor in every state in the United States of America chooses 
to abnegate, to not utilize their authority that they have been given, that they have sworn a constitutional oath to enforce and to abide by, they have made the decision not to utilize it. See, we could end abortion overnight if our governors actually abided by their sworn constitutional oath by utilizing, by enforcing the constitutional, moral, and legal authority that they possess, just like the county sheriff. And similarly, Sheila, we as Christians could change this country overnight in terms of the moral and spiritual fabric, especially the spiritual fabric. We could change it overnight if in the aggregate we came together on our knees, like you said, realizing our authority that has been given to us by Jesus, praying in the Holy Ghost, and taking authority over all of those areas that the Lord Jesus Christ has given us authority over. The problem is that we don't recognize our authority in many cases, and even if we do, we choose not to utilize them. And by the way, Sheila, just so this doesn't come off as me pointing my finger at you and your audience, you know, I'm pointing one finger at everybody else, but I got three pointed back at me. This is much of a, uh, as it is a sermon to, to the uh, Sheila Zielinski audience as it is to Greg Jackson, because I need to recognize that prayer, I know that you've written a, a book uh, recently, and prayer changes things. Prayer is the most powerful thing that we can do as Christians to change the spiritual environment. And when we change that, then we will see the culture and the society and everything else around us change. Well, I think the greatest tragedy facing modern believers today, Greg, and you touched on this, is ignoring and also denying the power of the demonic realm. We see that supernatural powers of the forces of darkness, they require supernaturally empowered believers. And really the only way we're going to stand against the wiles of the enemy, folks, is to be armed with the word of God. And guess what? We also have to use tactical warfare because I'll tell you what, Satan has been operating undetected and unhindered by the saints of God for far too long. And it's time for us to start operating in the power and authority that Jesus shed his blood to give us. Go look at 1 John 3, 8. Listen, we have superior weaponry, equipment, and power. But woefully, Greg, people are living far below their birthright. And it is time that we snapped out of this trance, this, again, this social club church, to see what we can do. We have the power. We have the tools. And guess what? The effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And we need much. To, Amen. And we need to get on our, as you said, our knees in sackcloth, ashes. That is so true, Greg, because I'll tell you what, as the sands, the final sands slip through the hourglass here, we're coming into the end of the age. And I think it's time that, you, you know, if you're out there, folks, today and you've been fence sitting and you've been flip flopping and flim flam, whatever you've been doing, and you're not right with God, God will have a lot to say about what you chose to do with your life. Is it glorifying God today? If Jesus Christ returned tomorrow, could you stand before him and and look him in the eye and say, I did everything I could to help advance your kingdom? I think that's a question, Greg, we need to all ask. Amen. And that's the most important thing. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
and we're all at different levels. I would encourage you today to take an, an honest inventory and, and ask the Lord, you know, to reveal to you areas in your life that he wants you to, to clean up. He wants to prune you. He wants to make you more like, more like his son. And, you know, in these last days, you know, we're told to redeem the time. We're, we're, we're told to be aware of the machinations of the evil one. Tomorrow is, ne- is, is not promised to any one of us to redeem the time well. And, you know, we started off in prayer before the show, Sheila, and we said today is the day the Lord is made. May we rejoice and be glad in it. Folks, tomorrow is not promised. So the question is, and this is maybe a challenge, not only to myself, and, but, but to, the, to your whole audiences. And, and I challenge you know, my son with this, which is, you know, I have a little, a little thing that I put up over his, his life that when he hits his light in his room that he sees, and it's called, be, it says, be excellent today. And, you know, I think it's uh, 1 Corinthians 10, uh, do all things whether we're eating or drinking, whatever we do to glorify God. And so if you're a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the opportunity to be used by him. You might not have a radio show or you're an author or whatever it is. God has given you a platform and you have an opportunity, whether at work or in your family, to win people to Christ. And they are looking at your life and they're watching you. And they're making a decision as to whether your God is real or not. Amen. And if you're a born again believer, no matter how dark the day is, be encouraged because the bottom line is that in the end, and, and you read Psalm 37 after we're done here, folks, because the good news is that God wins in the end. The, the wicked and the evil, they will perish, they will go up in smoke. And you, if you are a born again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've repented of your sins and you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior by faith alone, by God's grace alone, in Christ alone, are saved forever. And that is the good news. That's our blessed hope. And folks, if you are not a born-again believer, may today be the day of salvation for you. It is no coincidence that you are listening to Sheila and my voice today. Even if it's one person that gets saved after listening to this program, folks, if you are not 100% sure that if you died tonight in your sleep, that, that you wouldn't wake up in the loving arms of Jesus and be in heaven, it's easy. You repent of your sins. If we're honest, we, we know that we've broken every law, the moral law, God's law. We know that, we're li- that we've lied, we've cheated, we've looked uh, uh, at a woman with lust in our eyes if we're a male. We know that we've broken the law. But God's law is perfect. That is the standard. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross at Calvary. And it's by his blood that we are washed clean, that we are healed of our sin that we have entrance into the eternal kingdom of heaven forever. There is only one way to heaven. It is only through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to the Father but through me, John 14, 6. If you're listening to my voice right now, may today be the day of salvation for you. May you repent of your sins with a godly sorrow that produces repentance. May you acknowledge your sins in in front of God, and may you receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. And folks, when you've done that, at that very moment of time, the Bible says that you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter 1. It is done. It is finished. And then the second thing you can do is you could buy the Bible, join a a Bible-believing, Christ-centered church, and God will change your life. You don't need to wait and get cleaned up and become perfect. The gospel is 
by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone. And may today be the day of salvation for you. Amen, Sheila? Amen. Well, I couldn't have ended on a more perfect note, Greg. Of course, folks, if you're looking to get a copy of Greg's book, I I really highly recommend this book, 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die. It's such a little powerful book, and that you can find that at gregjackson.com. That's two Gs, folks, gregjackson.com. Greg, it's always a pleasure to have you weigh in. Hey, what does it say in Luke? And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Amen. That's really where we're at. Jesus is coming. Keep looking up. Be encouraged, my friends. Be encouraged. No matter what you're going through, the the Lord is still on the throne. He's still sovereign. He's going to get us all through. So be encouraged. Amen. Love you, Sheila. Love your audience. God bless you all. And uh, look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks, Greg. Folks, that was Greg Jackson. That's Greg with two Gs. GregJackson.com. Shoot Greg an email. Let him know you heard him on this show today. Very inspirational, encouraging. Such powerful words to heed, really, because look at the time we are living in. You know, the ubiquitous gross darkness, envelopes around us. You can't make up this stuff in the headlines. Just yesterday, I'm reading a story about a baby created with the DNA of three people. I mean, the world is a lab to these sinister sickos. So how do we combat all this? Well, as Greg said, we need to be prayed up, armored up, and ready for battle. Because we are in one epic end-time battle here, folks. We live in such perilous times, but you know what? We live in exciting times. This could be the generation that sees the return of Jesus Christ. Prophecy is on fire in the world today. You just really cannot deny that. Hey, if you have a guest that you want me to bring on this show, don't forget, email me at weekendvigilante.com. My contact information is there. And for the new listeners that do not have a copy of my book, Power Prayers, go check out powerprayers.ca, the website for the book. Boy, is that ever a beautiful website. My web team did a fantastic job. I want you to go check that out. That's powerprayers.ca. And if you don't have a copy of it, get one. I think this is my most important project, for lack of a better word, to date. Carl and I are getting just incredible testimonies, and I can't wait for that section to be added on the website. It's going to be very powerful. And lastly, if you have not signed up for the free e-newsletter, do so. And for a limited time, if you do sign up for my free e-newsletter, which I'm going to be sending one out on the weekend, you get a copy of a little ebook I put together called Colloquialisms, one-of-a-kind one-liners from our good friend Steve Quayle, who celebrates 25 years on air. Well, I'll tell you what, that's a feat in itself. <laughs> Over the years, I've captured lines of Steve Quayle that only he can say such a way with words. It's been an honor to be on the air with you today. Thank you very much for tuning into the program. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night and God bless you.